you're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hi, cuties. So going into the summer, Donnie and I pre-recorded several episodes, and the episode you're about to listen to is one that was recorded before the SAG strike started. So most of you are probably aware, but if you're not, let me give a little update about what's been going on in the entertainment industry. So right now, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA are currently striking because they want studios and streaming services to offer better pay, increase royalties, make higher contributions to their pensions and their health plans, and put safeguards in place for the use of AI in the industry. Donnie and I stand with SAG, AFTRA, and the WGA while they negotiate for a fair contract. So we're going to be figuring out next steps for what this podcast will look like during the strike. But in the meantime, do not watch this movie. Just listen to us talk about it. Hello, I am Chelsea and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie and I am the cute one. And today we are joined with comedian extraordinaire and pretty crier Kim Nario to cover 1998's Ever After. Welcome, Kim. Hello, hello. Hey. So I just have to rip the band-aid off. Donnie, do you like this movie? Because <laughs> this was one of my picks and there were a lot of angry tweets, angry threads, angry Instagrams all day today. I liked I liked it. Oh, you did? That was really believable. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was very, very boring. I hate period pieces. I mm. hate British movies. So this was a twofer. But I do know it's like a good movie. Like if someone asked me, hey, Donnie, tell me a good movie to watch. I would say this. Whereas like there's movies I love where I wouldn't feel comfortable saying. Okay. That's fair. Okay, so I remember being obsessed with this. Like it was always on TBS growing up and I would never change the channel. <laughs> so in my mind, I loved it. But could I remember anything about it? No. So when I rewatched <laughs> yeah. it, I was like, what? I liked this? Yeah. I do think that if I ever ran for president, my platform would be no movie should be more than an hour and a half. Mm. And so seeing that this movie is over two hours long, two hours and two minutes to be exact, it was just too long. It's a long two hours, too. There were a lot of twists and turns that I don't think added to the overall message of the movie. No, and you know what? Since we're here, let me talk about it. If you want to hear me talk about it longer in length, you can go to our Patreon. That was the problem with Bad Cinderella, too. Like, they wanted to use the Cinderella plot, but then make it their own. So we're still working with, like, an hour and a half story as the base. But then to make it our own, we're adding, like, an hour of content that nobody needs. Just redo Cinderella. It's fine. We don't need Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> wow, we'll definitely get yeah. to old Leo. <laughs> I have feelings. But yes, <laughs> patreon.com slash I am the cute one. Donnie did do a full recap of Bad Cinderella over there. And I don't even like Broadway and I tuned in because it was shady as hell. So <laughs> let's jump into this movie before we get shady as hell about it. So this movie was released on July 31st, 1999. It was a Friday. The Boy is Mine by Brandy and Monica was at the top of the music charts in the U.S. with Viva Forever by the Spice Girls at number one in the U.K. Oh. And then the top movie was The Mask of Zorro. Ask Jeeves was still the preferred search engine. And Kids 
at this time in 1998 were watching shows like Animaniacs, Blue's wow. Clues, and Mummies Alive. But how many jars of toenails would you have if you started collecting the toenails you cut when you were You know what, Donnie? Your tweets today were already a cry for help. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? Let me help a friend out. I'm not going to add my little tidbits today. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so let's jump into this movie. There are so many iterations of the story of Cinderella. Obviously, it's a tale that has been told so many times. Which version would the two of you say is your favorite? Not this. <laughs> no, for me, like hand on a Bible, 100%, no backing down. Brandy Cinderella is my only Cinderella. But Cinderella's story with Hilary Duff is cute. Oh, too. yeah. I forgot about that one. But that's with Chad Michael Murray, right? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm sorry. (laughs) Listeners, go back and listen to our episode about Cinderella story. I had my Dumois moment because I shared some real life tea that my husband had for a weekend that he spent with Chad Michael Murray. So go back. Chelsea just broke NDAs on our first episode. Mm -hmm, Love it. (laughs) What is your favorite iteration of Cinderella, Kim? Um, I'm definitely going to go with the Brandy one for sure. For a multitude of reasons. List three of them. Three of them. Okay, well, it's not all white. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) The songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, does anything else compare? No. Certainly and not. Then, and I'm so mad. Kim, now I'm going to go on a tangent. I apologize. But do it. Name three and then let me cut you off at number two. No, two and a half. <laughs> she started talking. Yeah. But I'm so mad they never made a soundtrack for that. Like, I just want to listen to the Brandy Cinderella on Spotify. But because of Whitney Houston's mm-hmm. record label, she couldn't record it. Oh. That sounds like a you problem. Get in the studio. And record. <laughs> anyway, continue, Kim. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I think the third would just be like for the vibes, like mm-hmm. the general vibes. Yeah. Like nothing else feels as good as that one. I agree. Certainly not this. I was so bored. I'll repeat it again. And the cartoon <laughs> one. I don't like any Disney cartoons made before 1986. <laughs> not with human beings. Like foxes mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Bambi or whatever. That's all fine. But any human beings, the women did not get any kind of backbone until 1986. And that's a fish backbone, because that was what I <laughs> So before I make Donnie give us some background <laughs> trivia, how about just a shameless plug? So if today's episode makes you laugh or scream, please do us a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can leave reviews on Spotify now, people. Make it chaotic. Make it constructive criticism. Just leave five stars and then say whatever <laughs> the fuck you want. So Donnie, do you have any background info or trivia for us today? I don't. Just kidding, imagine. (laughs) (laughs) It was directed by Andy Tennant, who also directed Fools Rush In, Sweet Home Alabama, Hitch, and the movie that started it all with this podcast, at least, It Takes Two. Wow. I know, cute. We're Andy, well, no, we're not Andy Tennant stand podcast because this movie exists. It was written (laughs) by Andy Tennant and also Susanna Grant. And Susanna Grant wrote Disney's Pocahontas, which... Yikes. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that on her list. 23 episodes of Party of Five, 28 Days of Sandra Bullock in Rehab, Aaron Brockovich, and then Human Charlotte's Web. Well, CGI Charlotte's Web, I guess. What a interesting catalog of 
a resume. I, mean, I have to say, I totally thought you were going to say human centipede. And I was like, <laughs> what? Now that's a twist. I'm like, Shyamalan, who? <laughs> when did human centipede come out, Donnie? Has it hit 10 years? Because we could cover it for this podcast. I think it has. Ooh. Oh, that made my stomach chill. All right, leave us a five-star <laughs> review with a little centipede or caterpillar emoji if you think we should cover human centipede on this podcast. Oh my God, I'm going to buy If we get more than 10... We'll cover it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I never watched it. Kim, I'm going to send you hate mail. Hey, any mail is good mail. <laughs> <laughs> the budget, it cost $26 million to make, and it brought in $98 million. So not our best, but when it's just like people running around in castles the whole time, that's pretty good. <laughs> Drew Barrymore won the Kids' Choice Award for this movie and the Blockbuster Entertainment Award. And then Angelica Houston won Favorite Supporting Actress for a Drama Romance at the Blockbuster Awards. Now, Roger Ebert, he oh, no. keeps us on our toes. This movie, he gave it three out of four stars. Not bad. Okay. And he said... The movie is one of surprises, not least that the old tale still has life in it. I went to the screening expecting some sort of soppy children's picture and found myself in a costume romance with some of the same energy and zest as the mask of Zorro. And I was reminded again that Drew Barrymore can hold the screen and involve us in her characters. Wow. What a ride that one is. What a ride. I was expecting him to be like, when I went to the screening, I really enjoyed the cocktails. Fantastic <laughs> popcorn great service i love the way that gary parked my chevy <laughs> no he likes drew barrymore apparently who doesn't in his whole review there were like two paragraphs saying like she lost her career a little bit for the past 10 years but she seems to be back yikes <laughs> yeah i didn't include them <laughs> all right so there's only one tagline so we're gonna decide whether you're going to fuck it marry it or kill it here we go <clears throat> desire defy escape what <laughs> i don't even know how it has anything to do with this movie okay if it would have been like highlights magazine where it's movies on one side and taglines on the other even if i got all other nine movies and taglines matched and these were the only two left i would have thought i did something wrong because these possibly can't go together yeah fun fact about highlights magazine in some of the issues today there is a picture of a redhead sitting down with purple shoes that look way too big for her that is my best friend. She was a child model. What? <laughs> and like still to this day, it's my favorite game to play. When I go to a doctor's office, I flip through highlights to see if my friend is in it. They still use pictures from like 1990? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if highlights is doing too hot. But <laughs> I would say not if they're releasing 25-year-old material. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Anywho, I think I'm going to kill that tagline. Yeah. It's you awful. have to. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's zero desire in this movie. <laughs> My desire was for it to, like, end. <laughs> Maybe that's what they meant. And escape also. Yes, escape the theater because this is trash. <laughs> I'd like to just say for the cuties listening, I do like this movie, so I will be its <laughs> defender today. Your Honor, I object. Yeah, this is like debate club. <laughs> Well, a little bit of trivia before we move on. Drew Barrymore has stated that this is the favorite movie she's ever done. Interesting. Yeah. Jude Law turned down the role of Prince Henry. Still would have hated it just as much. <laughs> and as depicted in the film, the real Leonardo da Vinci also kept the Mona Lisa with him at all times until the day he died. Wow. Yeah. 
So this movie, while not interesting, factually correct, at least. <laughs> More than this podcast can say, because we're neither interesting or factually correct. So before we make Kim give us the one-minute synopsis of this very fine film, I want to know what character, if any, do you identify as? Probably... Who's the nicest? Jacqueline. I'm going to say, like, air quote nice, because she has so many opportunities to, like, be better, and it takes, like... Her mm-hmm. stepsister getting whipped for her to do something. <laughs> but um, yeah, probably her. I also said her for all the reasons you said you're not her, because I also see what's wrong in the world around me, but I don't always speak on it. <sighs> Love that for well, no, you. No, I'm being honest. I'm not being funny. <laughs> this is not a moment to be viral. This is a moment to open my heart, for Christ's sake. Be introspective. But, <laughs> yeah. This two-hour movie gave you a lot of time for reflection. <laughs> On many I mean, things. She's yeah. like the only three dimensional character, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. And I also used to got made fun of for being fat, even though I wasn't. <laughs> Just like her. I did find myself resonating with Danielle. I do have main character syndrome. I am also mm. similar to her, always going on self-righteous rants. And I also have a very hard time setting boundaries with family members and just kind of end up letting them walk all over me. So (laughs) before we move on really quick, I do want to say for anyone listening that has known me as a child, I also was fat and got made. (laughs) But there was a moment when I wasn't fat, but I don't want people to be like, who is he rewriting history? I know I was fat. Johnny land again. (laughs) So the time has come. Kim, we're going to put one minute on the clock and I want you to give the plot of this movie. Okay. I don't even know if I need a whole minute. So I'll just say it's a sort of sexy retelling of Cinderella with hints of feminism, sprinkles of comedy, and whispers of Titanic, the movie. (laughs) And I say that because of like the old lady at the beginning, like unnecessary, (laughs) but we get it. And then the class issues. So... There we have it. it yeah, we could have shaved off 15 minutes if we just didn't include the old lady at the beginning and the end. Just jump right in. Well, you jump right in because I'll talk about her as soon as you do. <laughs> okay. So once upon a time, the brothers Grimm visited an old queen in bed, and she thinks that they really shit the bed when it came to their telling of Cinderella. Here's where they dropped the ball. <laughs> like, it turns out, spoiler alert, that this is her great-great-granddaughter, If you're not going to get closer than that, we don't need to wrap it in this. Like the old lady turning into Rose in Titanic. Yes, that really brought it home. This is like, oh, someone I never met. Okay, great. (laughs) You just have her old shoe. (laughs) And then it was even more like blue balls because I thought, you know, I write Mm -hmm. stories in my head, just like (laughs) Seventh Heaven, that this was her the whole time. So it was giving like when people would come to your high school and talk about child abuse. And then at the end of 45 minutes of telling you like really dark stories about child abuse, they're like, and that child was me. But then we just get it at the end (laughs) saying like, and that lady was my great, great grandmother. (laughs) Okay. Well, to be fair, it was still tales of child abuse. (laughs) Yeah, but great great grandmother. Who cares? Maybe maybe this movie like transcends something because now I'm like, oh my gosh, they touched on generational trauma. Like, wow, ahead of its time, maybe. I may be coming back around. (laughs) By the end of this podcast episode, Kim, you're gonna be singing its praise. I'm gonna be like, is this still on TBS? Because I'm about to get cable. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. 
There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. So Danielle de Barbarock is, I believe, the correct pronunciation, is an eight-year-old girl whose father, a widowed merchant, has just married Angelica Houston. After a boy with a Nini Leaks wig has the gall to comment on Danielle's fashion choices, Danielle just beats the shit out of him and ends up, unfortunately, meeting her new mothers and sisters covered from head to foot in mud. I fucking hate when children play in the dark. <laughs> oh, no. Donnie's here to take a stand today. I need to know what is enticing or cute about this, because Phil and Lil used to fucking do it all the time on Rugrats, and, like, eat worms, and play in the sand, and play in their diaper and stuff, and it used to make me physically ill. I would feel as sick watching Phil and Lil as I would watching Ren and Stimpy. Or the human centipede. I never watched it. You will. Comment those centipedes. Oh, Five-star review. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't come to visit, Donnie. We've been doing a lot of gardening. There have been a lot of worms as pets happening yeah, in my backyard. I took that out of my notes, but I was going to drag your daughters into this. <laughs> because the time I did visit, oh, no. one of them just broke up a stick that I believe was found in dog poop. And <laughs> broke it up and made little like pictures from it. I'm like, okay, well, you have Legos? And then, like, a cat who drops a dead bird at your foot, she presented it to you so proudly, and you said, oh, wow. <laughs> now, because this is a 90s movie, and, you know, also the plot of Cinderella, parents just can't stay alive. So, <laughs> 10 minutes in, we witness a brutal heart attack, and oopsie-doopsie, Danielle's dad falls off his horse and kicks the bucket. And this is the point of the movie where I really realized that I had, pardon the pun, made a grave mistake mm. in letting my daughters watch this movie with me. And this was also the point in the movie where I realized it was rated PG-13. Um. Why were graphic deaths just a part of every kid movie of our childhood? Can you think of any specific ones that like really fucked you up? I can't think of one that revolved around a dead parent, but definitely like absentee parents. And my parents are still together. So I don't know why this stuff like makes me feel so whatever but you know that movie jungle to jungle oh <laughs> i cry like a lot every time and there's something about the separation where it's like he might as well be dead yeah and people laugh at me all the time for crying at it i didn't cry at parent i guess i didn't care about my parents dying in movies <laughs> <laughs> what really brought me to tears was when those animals come over the mountain at the end of homeward bound i don't know why because i'm not even a pet person but <laughs> Sometimes I You am. know what will really make you cry, but in a different way? The backstory and the real-life tales of the pets that were in Milo and Otis. <laughs> Do you know about this? No. Okay, so really quick side <laughs> tangent that I didn't plan on going on. In college, we all ate what we called firecrackers, which was really just like burned pot onto graham crackers. And we had a movie marathon day where every person was supposed to pick a movie. Dr. Bald, my husband, we had just started dating maybe a couple months prior. He picked Milo and Otis. And just as these firecrackers are kicking in and we all come to the consensus that perhaps we put about six times too much weed in them, he goes, all right, let's watch Milo and Otis. And let me tell you, anytime you see a pet going over a cliff, that was a real animal, R.I.P., <gasps> And then we had to sit there for an hour and a half. <laughs> we sat there in silence. And when that movie was over, that was the end of the movie marathon. That was the end of the day. Just killed the vibe. 
much like god. those pets. Oh my god, is that real? Yeah. Ew. I know. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> like the ring, I have to pass the trauma on. Seven days. <laughs> anyway, back to this movie. So 10 years later, things are not really going great for Danielle. She now sleeps on hay, hangs out with literal pigs, and is a servant in her own home. And just when she thinks things can't get any worse, a home invader gate crashes her pigsty. But luckily, this kingdom is a stand-your-ground state, so she starts chucking apples at what turns out to be the prince. Wait, I would also not know it was the prince either, because I do need to talk about what he looked like. Are we to find this man attractive? I won't even ask that question. I will ask, do either of you find this prince attractive? Absolutely not. Okay, thank God. Not one one. bit. He's like normal person dive bar attractive. It's 2 a.m. You're looking around the bar. He'll do. You would kiss this man. In my early 20s, yes. I probably would have dated him for nine months. (laughs) Oh, my God. I think he looks like he's from Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) Every week, we have to just insult a whole new demographic. No, no, no. Not a whole demographic. shout out. No, not a whole demographic because... If any cuties listening are women or people of color, you're safe from this. This is only white men from Louisiana look like this. All of them. Okay. Donnie says hashtag all men from Louisiana. All Louisiana men. Yeah. I would like to note me and Kim's silence. We do not co-sign this Louisiana slander. Good heavens. Well, no, it's okay. true, though. No. It is, Chelsea. I'm going to say. But we don't you. need to elaborate. You're about to expand on this well, slide. No, I'm we... related to some Louisiana men. <laughs> and they look just like this every single one. So this is a self burn. You're saying you could be. I am cousin. not from Louisiana. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. I do think that somebody needs to do a wellness check on my co-host, but also on Danielle, (laughs) the protagonist of this movie, because when she does realize, oh, shit, this is Prince Harry, the prince of the kingdom that I live in, she really quickly leaps to like, well, I guess you got to execute me. It's like, I don't know if that needed to be like an automatic, like, oops, well, put me in the guillotine, Harry. Also, his name's Henry. Harry is spare. I have. Harry in every <laughs> single place of my notes. So I will be calling him Prince Harry. Okay, also, great. he got a really cold penis and thought of his mother in this movie, too. <laughs> so Prince Henry. But instead, she's given a bunch of coins for her silence, which she plans to use to buy back another servant's husband's super casual stuff. I did not think we were going to get commentary on the prism system in this Cinderella remake. So. See? This movie goes places. Yeah, it does. They're doing what I call doing too much and not enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very Ryan Murphy. Like, if we just throw a lot of issues at you, we don't need to say how we feel about any of them. So it turns out that the prince snuck out of the castle because he is afflicted by an arranged marriage, among other things. And I think I've said this before, but I used to sneak out as a child all the time. My mom would put bells on the doors, which Mm. didn't stop me. It just made me have, like, cat burglar-like reflexes. And then every time I snuck out, I'd sprint through the backyard and I would verbally say the Hail Mary until I got to my destination. Which, I mean, speaks to a lot of Catholic guilt and trauma. We won't unpack that today, certainly. But I will say, the year that I snuck out the most, I also broke the record at my high school for the 800-meter dash. So I think it's correlated. It was just speed training every night. Did you have to say the prayer when you ran during the 800-meter dash? (laughs) 
<laughs> Imagine. Yeah, Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Kim, how are you as a high school student? I was the devil, and Donnie was like straight-laced. I wouldn't say angel, but... No, I'm an angel from hell. <laughs> like that Jane yeah. Lynch show. I was pretty good. There wasn't too much I would rebel against. And I was in so many extracurriculars that, like, I didn't have time to be bad. And I didn't even think about it. Like, I was a theater kid. Oh. I think I did, like, literary magazine. I was doing soccer and church <laughs> stuff for a little bit. So, yeah. Like, all my friends were doing drugs and having sex, and I didn't know for years. <laughs> <laughs> so now, dressed in rich people drag, Danielle has another run-in with Prince Henry, <laughs> and after lecturing him about the way his kingdom treats their poor, she is successful in her mission of retrieving her servant friend's husband from being sold to the Americas. Now, Prince Henry, let's talk about him because he is a total fuckboy, and this Nepo baby is just like turned on by how Danielle defends the kingdom's everyday rustic people, and he gets like this little boner when this walking <laughs> contradiction calls him out, and I think this was like a classic 90s trope that taught yeah. me that fighting with somebody means that you love them mm -hmm. like he's a dick yeah he doesn't have many like redeeming qualities no, no certainly I'm not trying to think of one and i can't he gives the same energy as mario lopez in no, saved by the bell being like oh you're just such a cute little feminist look at this girl hey mama uh -huh. <laughs> he did not have to specify saved by the bell i think mario lopez is like that in real life too. <laughs> but despite his royal heart on and despite the fact that he was pelted by fruit by her just earlier that day, he does not recognize Danielle in this moment, which for me is much worse than Chad Michael Murray in a Cinderella story, because at least Hillary Duff had that like fabric over her eyes and he didn't know who she was. In this case, like what she put a little hairnet on and like another gown. It's the same face. It's literally the same face. Well, I think that is probably just bad storytelling. But if I'm going to think hard about it, I think it is showing you that they don't care about the everyday people. Oh, so why? Yeah, they don't register until they come in in rich people clothes. Yeah, he was probably never looking at her face. <laughs> Let's be honest. Mario Lopez strikes again. <laughs> So Danielle runs with the prince's face blindness affliction, which is a real affliction, people, by the way. And she gives him her mother's name, casually leaving out the teensy little detail that she is actually a servant and not a countess. <laughs> so I did ask our cuties if they've ever lied about something to attract a romantic partner and whether or not they got away with it or if mm. the truth ever came out. And every week, the cuties surprised me with their unhingedness, but these answers really took us places. So number one, we have, I used to wear super padded bras, and I'm sure guys were confused once they got to see my double A tits. Oh. I mean, who among us, right. you know? I faked being a smoker to take breaks with him. Wow. Nothing like a, a new nicotine addiction to really <laughs> seal the deal. My friend always said if she got cast on Big Brother, she would take up smoking because in the early 2000s, like seasons one through 14, the smokers always had an alliance because they would mm -hmm. go out all the time to smoke. So then they would bond over that. So she's like, I would just start. That's really smart. Can I tell you one thing about smoke breaks? Yeah. yeah. So I used to work at a restaurant here in Richmond and it was literally me and a bunch of guys and they'd always 
always take all these smoke breaks. And I got so annoyed that one day I got those bubbles that it's like a pipe, but you blow bubbles. And I was like, this is my break. And so I would go out there and I'd blow bubbles out of a little pipe. That is amazing. I think everybody should get that option. And then I really started smoking. And so. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. There's this like understanding that if you're a smoker, you get to have these allotted breaks to like leave a building, see the sun, Mm -hmm. get some fresh air as you inhale, not fresh air. (laughs) I do think there should be a bubble break. I'll (laughs) add that to my platform when I run for president. You have my vote. (laughs) Okay. The next one. I told my future husband that I didn't get PMS. Joke's on him. I'm a raging psychopath (laughs) once a month. Uh I kind of love it. (laughs) All right. And then this one I want to end on. Cuties, if you submit answers to the questions that I ask, I always leave it anonymous. However, in this case, I did get permission from Vanessa from Best Week Ever to share this tale and share her name. Also, a quick plug, I was on Best Week Ever recently. Donnie's been on it before. Go listen to her podcast, rate her five stars. Now that I've got the plugging out of the way, (laughs) let's talk about the lie. So in the question box, she said... I pulled a Mandy Moore from Walk to Remember. (gasps) And I said, pardon? What? Please (laughs) clarify. And she said, I was like 15 or 16 and told a Jersey Shore summer fling that I was sick, like terminally ill, just so he could continue to call me after the summer. I am so embarrassed. I've never confessed this to anybody, but by October, I had a crush on someone else in my class and it fizzled by the holidays. He probably thought she died. (laughs) She ghosted him, but for real, RIP, a ghost now. Oh my God. Remarkable. So bold. That's sick. Such confidence. And I like she's admitting it for the first time on a public platform. (laughs) And then agreed to have her name out there. So again, please go rate her five stars. And if you love our chaos go over there who knows what other (laughs) tricks she has up her sleeve do either of you have tales of when you lied to attract a lover um i just said that his ex-boyfriend was harassing me (laughs) (laughs) like sending me messages saying like i know where you sleep and stuff like that none of that was true but i thought if he would like come in and protect me that it would work out. You were trauma bonding him. <laughs> Did it work? It's not Quinn. Oh my God. Imagine you were admitting that on a public platform. But I mean, did it work? Like, did you trauma bond him for a bit? Yeah, he was my boyfriend before Quinn. The only boyfriend I've had before Quinn. So going into my marriage, this is the only relationship I was a part of previously. So <laughs> hi, Quinn. <laughs> oh my God. Goodness. I love how you just said, oh, well, just. Like, oh, well, just, you know, that I like Smarties and not Twinkies. Like, what? That is wild behavior. Oh, I used to be real wild. This doesn't really tie in with the prompts, but I also used to make a fake, was it MySpace back then? It must have been. This was college, by the way, this behavior. (laughs) I used to make a fake account of like this really hot guy. And then I would comment on my page. Like he was really into Donnie. This model guy was really into Donnie. So then because of that, I thought the boys (laughs) that kind of liked me would get jealous and make their moves. Now that plan never worked. Hard to believe. (laughs) At least it made me look like this hot guy from Florida was hitting on me all the time. Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, I have manic pixie dream girl energy. So it was never a question of getting the guys. It was keeping the guys. I was mm. like unhinged in a seemingly fun way until you start to date me. And then you're like, oh, this isn't like whimsical. This is mental illness. That's me. Quinn. Now this is my husband. <laughs> Quinn only lets me watch Gone Girl once a year because <laughs> for like four months after I turn back into my old ways. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I feel like I haven't caused enough chaos in relationships. <laughs> the only lie I feel like I really tell is pretending that I'm chill in the beginning. But I feel like I usually am chill. And then, you know, things happen. But I date everybody yeah. for like two years at least. So. Well, may I suggest faking a terminal illness or <laughs> pretending that their ex is stalking you? Yeah, I'm going to do both next. <laughs> so if you're out there and listening, get ready. <laughs> Slide into those DMs. <laughs> They're wide open. Your ex is making her terminally ill. <laughs> Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. Prince Henry strikes a deal with his dad. If he can find another wife before his wedding, he doesn't have to marry the princess of Spain. 
And the Baroness wastes no time sexually harassing hmm. the King's guards in order to get inside information and also just casually oh. steals Danielle's mother's dress, just as like a side project for her daughter. If it's the last thing she does, she will have her favorite daughter, Marguerite, become the new Queen of France, which can we talk about how this takes place in France <laughs> and everybody's just speaking in English? Well, now I do have a question, though. I don't know history very well, as you're familiar, or geography. So those two things combined is really hellish right now. Is this just lazy storytelling? Because I feel like they do it in Les Mis, they do it in Beauty and the Beast, like, but it's always like this time period. So because of colonization and all of like that, is it possible it was the same accent or is it just directors don't care? I'm going to say it's possible because I also don't know anything about history or geography. <laughs> so along with those centipedes and the five-star ratings, let us know. <laughs> did French royalty just speak English? Life's little mysteries. We'll never know. Because in Les Mis, when Anne Hathaway's teeth fall out and she loses her hair, she speaks with a British accent. <laughs> But it's French. It's the French Revolution. My eyes crossed 10 minutes into that movie. Oh, you watched it? Hugh Jackman started singing and (laughs) my brain cells just fell out of my ear holes. Yeah, I did watch that movie. I'm shocked. I hated every second of it. I believe it. So while the prince may be head over heels for the mysterious countess... AKA Danielle. That doesn't stop him from peacocking around the pickleball court, shooting the shit with his bestie, Leonardo da Vinci, and shoving chocolate down Marguerite's throat. He like <laughs> really doesn't seem to be on a time crunch to find his little Bernie bra. No, there's a lot of time crunches. He just doesn't care about. We'll talk about a big one later. <laughs> but this is a super tiny kingdom, apparently. And Danielle just continues to have accidental run ins with the prince everywhere, culminating in the pair visiting his secret hideaway and then being cornered by thieves in the woods on their way home. And I'm going to call them bandits thieves because I'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. the G word is a slur at this point in time in 2023. Uh So when promised that she may leave safely by the bandits with anything that she can carry, Danielle uses that big old brain of hers and she hoists the prince over her shoulder, takes a bow and wins over the bandits. That was like a competition on the challenge. (laughs) But I want to jump back and talk about the hideaway really quick. If you, for a romantic little rendezvous, take me to a clearing in the woods where you used to jerk off or whatever, I'm writing you off 100%. This was just a random brick wall with ivy on it in the middle of the woods. And it was not doing it for me. And trees. Well, it was the middle of the woods. They were going to be there anyway. The brick wall was supposed to be the cool part. And I was like, who cares? This is in every suburban town somewhere in the woods. There's a random brick wall. Sadly, I think that would work on me. Yeah, before (laughs) true crime podcast, certainly. Like, come into the woods with me. I've got something special to show you. (laughs) Yeah, there's a specific patch of woods near my parents' house that I'm like, I've been in that patch with a few people. And I'm always (laughs) like, no, I've never walked through here. What? Now, after one more quick dissertation about the prince's privilege, Danielle shares a smooch with the smitten prince, who, let's not forget, just still thinks her name is Nicole. But meanwhile, Marguerite gets one step closer to the crown as her mother's horny henchman comes up with a plan that earns her a meeting with the queen herself. And when the queen name drops Danielle's mother, the jig is up. (laughs) So the baroness and her evil spawn burn Danielle's father's book, ban her from going to the ball, 
lock her in the basement and tell the queen that Countess Nicole has left for France to be married to a Belgian man. Listen, at this point, we already know Danielle has a strong right hook because that is why the book gets tossed in the fire in the first place. It's because Danielle punches Marguerite right in the face. Right in the kisser. After that book went in the fire, I would have fucked every single person in that room up. Even Jacqueline for being complicit. She would have got it too. I would have thrown them in the fire. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I would have done is grab Marguerite by the hair and put her face in that yeah. fire. Major theater kid energy coming from <laughs> both of you right now. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I will never cross a theater kid because I call myself a crazy bitch. Nothing compares to someone who grew up on the stage. Kim and Donnie, you might both be familiar with this phrase. The show must go on. I'm going to put your face in the fire <laughs> for that. And the heartbroken prince has a costume party to throw. What was the theme of this ball? Just like Halloween? Because we had like people dressed like animals. Poor Jacqueline was dressed like a horse. There were people in masks. Spoiler alert, but Danielle comes with like fairy wings. What was it? Well, Danielle was the one that just didn't do it correctly. It was a masquerade ball. I think as long as you wore a mask, you could do whatever you wanted. Mm. But Danielle just decided wings was enough. And her dead mom's shoes. (laughs) When I was looking up trivia, I do want to say, Danielle and the members of her step family each wear a costume that shows who they are on the inside. Because the Baroness and Marguerite wear devil horns. The Baroness is covered in gold because she was greedy. And Marguerite has peacock feathers because she's a narcissist and like Mm. a show-off. Jacqueline is a horse because horses are (laughs) humble but have a strong personality. And then Danielle Yell is dressed in white and wears fairy wings because they mirror her natural goodness and worth. That's straight from the costume designer's mouth. Straight from the horse's (laughs) mouth. I'm glad that that horse metaphor went where it went. She was treated so poorly. And yes, she was a bystander. But like, I like in this retelling, there was really only one evil stepsister, but they kind of show that like being complicit is a form of evil all on your own. But It was sweet that there was like moments of tenderness from her, which usually it's just, you know, two little bouncing (laughs) booties going to the ball, you know? This was the part of the movie I liked, like the dynamics of the family, because even the stepmother in the very beginning, I feel like normally the Cinderella stories show that she was like a gold digger and like hated him and her from the beginning and all of that but this she was like not nice but just normal until he said i love you to her and the dying breath i would hate a little girl if <laughs> donnie if he loved his yeah, daughter uh-huh. if he didn't say it to me at all like just do two hands that's enough <laughs> i love you <laughs> Dad. He was having a heart attack, Donnie. And, and through the heart attack, he looked at me and decided to move that head to his daughter and say, I love you. You can just not say anything. So can you right you now. You know what? Just, this is me closing his <laughs> eyes. Take your advice. You don't have to say anything, Donnie. <laughs> just shut your mouth. You know, I did understand where she's coming from throughout that. But <laughs> what I didn't understand is why she kept calling Melanie Linsky fat because I think I was brainwashed into thinking she was. All of us. Yeah. She could have been Cinderella. Yeah. All of us in the 90s and 2000s were brainwashed. There's been a bunch of articles recently about Jessica Simpson and how like we in the year like 2003, just as a society, were told that that was like the most disgusting display of a 
woman's body and she's like a size six mm-hmm. we're doomed <laughs> <laughs> now in this version of cinderella there is no fairy godmother but there is the bastard son of a peasant one mr leonardo da vinci who picks the basement lock and gets danielle ready for the ball in her mother's gown leonardo tells danielle that it doesn't matter that she isn't nicole and that the prince deserves to hear the truth from the one he loves. A bird may love a fish, sir, but where will they live? No matter, Leonardo <laughs> makes her wings. Is this movie a fairy tale version of Forrest Gump? <laughs> because I feel, I feel like between Leonardo da Vinci and the Mona Lisa and like the Brothers, Brothers Grimm. Grimm and stuff, like it was giving me Black Panther and the Muddy Smile <laughs> t-shirt. It was yeah. very Forrest Gump. I think that if he had painted the Mona Lisa because of her, that would have been mm. Forrest Gump. Like Mona Lisa was actually her, okay. you know, and the secret yeah, yeah, yeah. was that she wasn't Nicole <laughs> right. in the smile. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and just as the prince is about to make his decision at the ball about who he's going to marry, even side note, though, his dad told him like, oh, never mind. We just wanted to see personal growth. You were <laughs> floundering. We were worried about you because you're just this Nepo baby living off of our land and money. He's about to make this decision, and with somehow 30 minutes left, Danielle shows up to the ball looking ready for an EDM festival. <laughs> and everyone lives happily ever after. Just kidding. Angela Houston rushes over, rips off the fairy wings, and exposes Danielle as their servant. And after Henry does his best Anna Delvey and is like, ooh, poor, <laughs> she sprints away in humiliation, leaving her glass slipper behind i don't want to victim blame but i'm going to really quick in movies like this it's your fault that you don't speak fast enough and i don't even mean like you let this go on for days at a time that's fine i understand getting roped into that but you came here this night if you are dressed up for a big event your secret is going to get out maybe on a projector screen maybe passed out in a diary i don't know maybe just from donnie yelling out she's poor she's a peasant no i would not do well unless i was the one supposed to marry him or if she said she loved her daughter or something crazy like that <laughs> don't play with twigs bitch yeah you know if you're putting on a dress your life is going to get ruined that night so literally as soon as i walked in there and he said oh nicole then i would say listen that's not who i am we need to talk about it right now i'm not taking another step towards your mom let's go visit that, that wall, wall the- in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> i got something to show you <laughs> my favorite spot <laughs> the prince moves forward with his marriage to the princess of spain and it's only when the princess of spain spends the entire ceremony <laughs> sobbing hysterically that he's like hmm maybe i shouldn't go through with this luckily thank god the princess of spain showing her affection to a Big ol' uggo snaps everybody, (laughs) including the king, right out of it, right to their senses. Because after all, Danielle might be a peasant, but at least she's got a pretty face and a nice rack. And so the (laughs) prince intends to tell Danielle that he loves her, but... Oopsie kitty, to quote Gabby's dollhouse. It turns out that the Baroness has sold her to the creepy Captain Hook-looking motherfucker who wants to show Danielle how well-endowed he is. (laughs) And during their first night together, Captain Hook licks her, and Danielle takes a sword and threatens to slit him from navel to nose if he doesn't set her free, which he does. And as she walks outside, who does she see? You'll never believe it. The prince who was there to rescue her. I hate it. (laughs) He's the one guy with all the resources and he was still late to saving her. Like, come on. I know. If she didn't threaten to slit him from tit to tail, I (laughs) think this is going to end 
in the R Tickling. word. Yeah, let's just say what it is. There was a comment about the prince waiting a day, like getting his little plan together and waiting a day before he did this. <laughs> this could have went very differently. Yeah, the prince literally does nothing this entire movie. She rescues him time and time again, which, yes, this is like a post-feminist film and there are those messages, but it does seem like it was written by like a bot who read one (laughs) Roxanne Gay book and was like, I know feminism now. (laughs) She rescues herself. (laughs) I don't know. And that would have been fine if it was a race against the clock from him as well. Like if he, whatever, realized this and then was running to get her as she was doing all this fine but the fact that he literally says we'll reconvene here don't tell anyone I told you and I think the feminism would have held up more if like she walked out of that palace and is like listen babe (laughs) I got my own manner now let's put this on ice best of luck to you hope the university library goes well but like no thank you but instead this movie ends by Danielle looking over the prince's just glaring red flags of classism, (laughs) elitism, and general douchebaggery, accepts his marriage proposal, and everyone lives happily ever after. Well, except for Angelica Houston and Marguerite, who live out the same kindness that she was afforded and are now servants. That is a good way to fuck her over by letting someone else do it. Yeah, I super loved how Danielle said something like, after today, I will never think about you again. And I was like, okay, Ariana Maddox reunion, uh-huh. it's giving. And I was like, I can't wait to use that on someone. <laughs> like, oh, the next guy I date who I say that I'm terminally ill, <laughs> I'm going to gaslight him into <laughs> thinking it's all his fault. And then I'll say my piece. We'll come full circle. Also, when I was looking up trivia for this movie, I found out that back then the kind of soap that laundry women used was made of lye so a lot of people got blind so in the trivia it was like the stepsister and stepmother will end up blind i don't feel any sympathy is something wrong with me no me neither i love it it's the theater kids in us it is I love a comeuppance, you know? <laughs> As do I. I almost wish it was not laundry. I wish it was hot oil again. Jeez <laughs> oh, Louise. Okay, well, moving on before these two theater kids turn their sights on me. <laughs> Final thoughts. If we were to bring this movie to present day, who would you cast in a reboot or what would the plot of a sequel be? Okay, I'm into a reboot. And anyone who knows me knows that I have personally deemed 2023 as the year of Asians. Okay, We've got past lives. We've got Summer I Turn Pretty, Joyride, Shortcomings, Here Lies Love. Like, we are out here. So if you're listening, I'm Asian, if you didn't understand that by now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's our time. So I'm doing an all-Asian cast. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start it off with the father is going to be Paolo Montalban from the Brandy Uh Soul History for you. Call that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, the prince is going to be Alexander Hodge. Are we familiar? I am. Yeah, he's delicious. He is. Um, Better than this one. I know. I'm like, how do you have, like, a not hot um, The sister is Jamie Chung and Greta Lee. Love Jamie Chung. Yes. She's not in enough stuff. No, she is not. And I say it anytime <laughs> she shows up in something. I've loved her since Real World San Diego. So the fact that she's, like, a legit actress now, please, please. I love her. So 
And I know, th- I know this part is like really bonkers, but I'm going to keep Leonardo da Vinci in this because okay. it's going to be George Takai. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the friend, Gustav. Is that who that is? Oh, um, yeah. Probably Bo and Yang. Okay. And I think the Baroness should be Gemma Chan, even though she looks crazy young, but like Asians don't raisin. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then. Okay, Danielle. It's a toss-up. Okay. Between Brenda Song and myself. Oh! <laughs> we love a self-promotion. Yeah, yes. so this is what we're doing. We're making a third stepsister that will be Brenda Song, so you can be Danielle. I love it. I'm into Perfect. it. All right, I'm going to go next because I actually completed this homework assignment this week, which means that Donnie's either going to love it or hate it, probably hate it. However, I did a lot of research. I Googled young actors with a theater background. I Googled actors who have done dramatic roles. I Googled actors who have been on stage because I do want to continue this period piece. I want them to lean into the production of it, but just make the movie shorter. So... I'm going to start out with a hit that I know Donnie's going to be down with. Kiki Palmer as Danielle. Okay. Okay. Tyler James Williams as Prince Henry. Uh Uh-huh. Because he's done Les Mis, Annie Get Your Gun. Again, I did research. Has he? He has, according to the Google and also Ask Jeeves of 1998. (laughs) We've got Kristen Chenoweth as the evil stepmother. Uh Uh-huh. We've got Tay Diggs as the king. We have okay. Viola Davis as the queen, but also maybe Brandy as a nod. Uh-huh. Then we have Tom Holland as her best friend with the terrible haircut. Okay. We're going to keep Angelica Houston, maybe as like the fairy godmother. I mean, maybe as Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> and then you have, are you ready, Donnie? Uh-huh. Leah Michelle as one of the evil stepsisters <laughs> and uh-huh. Beanie Feldstein oh, as the other. That's inspired. Wow. Thank you. Thank that you. Is, is it a musical? It could be. Sure. Oh, was it cast not to be one? I don't know, Donnie. I did my best. I did this assignment. <laughs> Usually I'm like, I want to see the family dynamics 20 years later. That you was know? very great, but I feel like that is very musical heavy. And if it wasn't meant to be, then it's odd <laughs> that you picked those people. <laughs> well, I don't know. Broadway. No, congratulations. It's great. Thank you. I said, I don't think this needs to be remade. <laughs> so because of that, I think the best option would be if Netflix had like a limited series where the Brothers Grimm revisited all their like real stories and then they could interact in a little bit too. So what you're describing is Once Upon a Time. No, because then you did that modern day shit and then they really went into the Disney. Once Frozen came in, I came out. Well, not came out. (laughs) It wasn't on when I was in first grade. But no, like Snow White would be at Cinderella's Ball and Cinderella would be at Sleeping Beauty's Christening. Like the end of one episode would lead into the next. Oh, cute. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. (laughs) You compared it to Once Upon a Time. Okay. Well, I liked that show. To be clear, I also watched the spinoff about Aladdin. No, you didn't, Bob. (laughs) It was about Aladdin in Wonderland. How strange. I hated it. Okay. Final, final thoughts. What about this movie aged well and what aged like Blockbuster? I think some of the feminism stuff aged pretty well. Comments on class. Angelica Houston definitely aged well. I loved all of her digs. 
that line where she's like, sometimes you remind me of your father. After all, you're so masculine and built for hard labor. I was just like, oh, she is truly just a queen. Yeah, that was the best line of the whole movie. (laughs) Um, And also at the end when Melanie Linsky says, oh, I don't know. I came here for the food. That was also great. The female cast, I think, aged well. It's all people that if it were made today, obviously age differences we're not seeing a 50 year old cinderella but i think these women could still all be cast today because they're still just as loved yeah i think what aged poorly there actually wasn't much except for how long and boring it was the g word you know Uh to describe a group of people but that was historically accurate also historically accurate were the casual rape attempts throughout the film but i would still say they aged like blockbuster yeah. And yeah. I mentioned it numerous times, but the fat comments about Melanie Linsky. Yeah. A movie doesn't need the fat comments. And that's like 2023 Donnie talking. But <laughs> using obesity as a punchline, I do understand was a thing in the early 2000s. So if we're going to do it, let's at least get like me in a the whale Brendan Fraser fat suit, please. Let's not have Melanie Linsky who looks like she could leave this movie and go right onto like a magazine cover. Okay. Obesity jokes are fine if you're obese. <laughs> okay. And I was obese. I Jesus was obese. Christ. Okay. So we're going to end there. I was, uh, you know, shame on me. Shame on me because I was about to say, Donnie, you towed that beautifully by bringing yourself in some self-deprecation and then boom, there you go. <laughs> Stick in the landing as always by face planting off the podium. Okay. Well, on that note, Kim, thank you so much for being here with us today. I do hope that you will come back perhaps to cover the human centipede <laughs> again wait. leave us those five star ratings but tell everybody where they can follow you where they can watch your stand up all the things cool so you can follow me on instagram at pretty underscore crier because i am one and um check out coalition theater if you're in the richmond area in august we're doing improvised the office so oh. Come out to that. Yes, I will be playing Kelly Kapoor. We don't have to talk about <gasps> it right now. But oh yeah, my God. check us out, rvacomedy.com. Well, thank you again for coming on. And next week, cuties, we will be covering Soap Dish. So if you thought we were unhinged and inappropriate this week, just toot toot, buckle up, motherfuckers, because ooh, that was my first time watching and the last five minutes, who would have thunk it? If you thought this movie didn't age well with some things, We'll show ya. We'll show Stick ya. Stick around. <laughs> so with that, we will be back next week. We will talk to you later. Love, Love you like a sister. sister. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to you later. later. Love you like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.